Skywatch, the novel, a look and read book by Derek Farmer. Chapter 10 Captured In no time at all, Norman, Dennis and Polly were out in the farmyard. Come on, Mary whispered. We've got to hurry. The lorries went down there half an hour ago. Mary seemed to have no fear at all. The thought of getting her own back on Granger and Millington was driving her forwards. Norman, Polly and Dennis weren't so brave. In the dark of night, everything seemed more dangerous, more threatening. The mist was growing thicker all the time. They would have turned back, but Mary kept urging them on. At last, they were looking down into the quarry from above. Lights had been rigged up. Two lorries were there. A gang of men were unloading boxes from one of them. Millington was checking off the boxes on a list, while Granger bustled around telling everybody what to do. As the boxes came off the lorry, they were taken up the tunnel to Westbourne Hall. It was too far away to see what was in the boxes, but one thing was for certain. It wasn't guns. They're not heavy enough, Dennis whispered. What's in them then? Polly wondered. They soon found out. One of the men dropped a box as he was sliding it off the lorry. It crashed to the ground. Watch what you're doing, Millington snapped. We're not paying for anything broken. Very sorry, the man sneered. Didn't realise soap and stockings broke so easily. Perhaps not, Granger warned him. But there's perfume in some of those and cigarettes, so just be careful. So that was it. The lorries were loaded with goods for the black market. Granger and Millington were buying up things that were in short supply and selling them on again, at a huge profit. Some of the boxes had US Army marks on them. They had been stolen from the base. The children slid back from the edge. Now they knew exactly what was going on, they were disappointed. So they're not spies then, Dennis complained. Just crooks, said Polly, but Mary wasn't going to let that spoil things. Still against the law, she pointed out. They'll go to prison if they're caught. The thought of Granger and Millington in prison made everyone feel a little better. We've got to get the police, said Norman. Ow, asked Polly. They'll probably be gone by the time we get to the telephone box. But Mary had already thought of that. We won't go to the telephone box. We'll telephone from the hall. There's nobody there. Polly grinned and Mary was right. Come on, she said. 
But before Polly had gone more than half a dozen steps, her foot disappeared into a pothole and she fell to the ground. <gasps> My ankle! she yelled. The pain was agonising. Dennis and Norman helped her up, but it was no good. She could barely walk. She would slow them down too much. Norman made a decision. You and Dennis stay here. I'll go with Mary to the telephone. Polly didn't like it, but there was no other way. All right then, she said. But hurry up! Polly wasn't the only person with a problem. Down in the quarry, Granger was struggling to untie the canvas sheet that was covering up the second lorry's load. Hurry up, we haven't got all night, Millington was getting jumpy. The sooner the lorries were unloaded and away, the better. Granger tugged at the rope with all his might, but it was stuck fast. Cut it, Millington snapped. Nobody's got a knife, said Granger. Don't you think of anything? Millington sighed. She stalked off towards the tunnel. I'll go and get one. Norman and Mary slipped into Westbourne Hall through a side door, through to the dining room. She picked up the telephone receiver. What do I say? she asked Norman. Norman tried to think. Get the operator. Ask for the police. Tell them to get to Westbourne Quarry straight away. But Mary wasn't sure. Why would the police take any notice of what she said? Tell them you're Miss Millington, Norman said. But that's a lie. A woman's voice cut through the air. Mary turned. Millington was standing in the doorway. She had a kitchen knife in her hand. Put the telephone. Down, she growled. Mary shook her head. Millington edged forward. Just do what I tell you, she hissed. Put the telephone down. Mary started to replace the handset. Then she stopped. No, she told Millington. I'm not doing anything else you say. Mary was not going to give up. Not now they were so close to winning. But Millington had a plan. She crouched down and grabbed the telephone wire. In one quick movement of her hand, she sliced through the wire with the knife. As she did it, Mary hurled the telephone at her. Millington fell back in surprise. It was all Mary and Norman needed. They raced into the hall and headed for the back door. They didn't get far. Granger was blocking the way. He reached out and grabbed Mary. What's going on? He snarled. Mary's reply was instant. She kicked Granger's shin as hard as she could. Granger doubled over in pain. The front! shouted Mary. Norman and Mary ran back towards the front doors. Millington was on her way out of the dining room. She dived at Mary, but Mary dodged sideways and Millington crashed to the floor again. Granger had recovered from Mary's kick and was racing after them. 
Millington slid straight into his legs and he tumbled down on top of her. Norman and Mary reached the front entrance, whilst Granger and Millington were still picking themselves up. Mary grabbed the door handle and twisted it. The handle turned, but the door stayed firmly shut. It was locked. There was no way out. Granger and Millington had trapped them. This time, there was no escape. Something's wrong. They should be back by now. Polly was worried. Norman and Mary had been away too long. Dennis was peering down into the quarry. Wait, he said. There's something happening. Polly scrambled forward to see what was going on. What she saw took her breath away. Granger and Millington were marching Norman and Mary across the quarry towards an old shed. Granger opened the door and pushed the children inside. Then he fastened the door shut. They'll be all right in there for a bit, he told Millington. Now come on. Granger started to move away, but Millington grabbed his arm. We can't leave it like that, she hissed. They know too much. We've got to deal with them. Don't be stupid, Granger scoffed, but Millington was deadly serious. What's your idea? she asked. Let them go to put us in jail? Granger was worried now. Look, he said, what we're doing is against the law, but nobody gets hurt. There's no other way, Millington insisted. There'll be no problem. It'll look like an accident. Two kids messing around at a quarry at night. Very dangerous. Granger pulled his arm free and started to walk away. I've told you no, he said. But Millington wasn't going to give up. We'll sort it out later, she said. Dennis and Polly had to do something if Norman and Mary were to have any chance. But what? Polly struggled to her feet. I think I can get down to the telephone box by the bridge, she told Dennis. Her ankle was still painful, but she would just have to forget about it. Dennis nodded. Do that, he said. I'm going down into the quarry. The gang had tried to unload the second lorry. Even Granger was helping, trying to keep away from Millington. But as he pulled a box down, she caught up with him. Those kids, she hissed. What if the other two are around here somewhere? You think you're the only one here with any brains? Granger sneered. I've already sent somebody to look for them. Polly hobbled painfully along the track towards the lane. Suddenly, a torch was shining bright into her eyes. Somebody was blocking the way. But Polly was too dazzled to see who. A woman's voice broke the silence. You! Don't you ever give up! It was Vivian Belling. You really are a bit of a nuisance, Belling continued. 
Polly had never been so angry. Nobody was going to stop her now, especially not Vivian Belling. She hurled herself forward in a mad rage. And you're a dirty, rotten spy, she yelled. Her hands grabbed Belling's hair. She pulled with all her might. Belling screamed, Get off! Somebody grabbed Polly from behind and dragged her away. Polly, it's okay, it's me! It was Mike Johnson. Polly stared at him in amazement. What was going on? What are you doing here? she demanded. Mike ignored the question. The others, he said, where are they? Down at the quarry, Polly answered. They got caught. We've got to get there at top speed, Mike told Belling. Belling signalled along the track with her torch. Engines started up, then army vehicles and a police car roared down the track. As they skidded into the quarry, the men who were unloading the lorries scattered in every direction. They had no chance of escape. They were outnumbered two to one by soldiers and policemen. Millington turned towards the shed. The kids! she shouted to Granger. Get hold of those kids! But Granger had had enough. He blocked the way. Leave them, he ordered. Never! Millington pushed him over and sprinted towards the shed. Granger picked himself up and charged after her. Millington raced inside the shed with Granger hot on her heels. They stopped dead. The shed was empty. They turned only to see Mary slam the door shut on them. They stared at each other in horror. Now they were caught. Outside, Norman and Mary grinned at Dennis. He had just got to them in time. It had been a night to remember, a night where everything had turned out right in the end. But only just. Now they had some explaining to do. Next day, the Wells Farm kitchen was packed with people. Amy was run up her feet, trying to keep everybody supplied with tea and toast. Lucky to be alive, all of them, said Amy. She still hadn't recovered from the shock. Vivian Belling smiled. They did a good job, though. After all, they weren't to know that I was after Granger as well. Norman, Polly and Dennis were just a little bit embarrassed. They had got it all wrong. Vivian Belling wasn't a spy after all. She was working for the government, trying to track down people who were running the black market. And catching black marketeers is very nearly as good as catching a spy. Belling told Polly. Mike Johnson agreed. They did a darn good job, he said. It was true. They had done a darn good job. But now it had come to an end. Especially for Norman and Dennis. They were going home. Their parents had decided that the countryside was too dangerous. It was safer in the city after all. Mr Jenkins was taking Dennis back and Mrs Starkey had come to collect Norman. Only Mary was staying behind. I telephoned her parents and told them what has happened to her, 
Mr Jenkins said to Mike Johnson as he loaded Dennis's things into the car. And they had just asked me to find her somewhere else to stay. Mr Jenkins shook his head in wonder. I've told you, Cyril Jenkins, that girl is staying here with me and Polly, said Amy. Amy was in no mood for arguing. Mary needed looking after and she was going to do it. Mrs Starkey climbed into Mike Johnson's jeep. It was time for her and Norman to go. Thank you for everything, Mrs Hobbs, she said to Amy. No thanks necessary. Amy was fighting back the tears. She grabbed Norman and Dennis and hugged them till she could hardly breathe. Norman climbed into the back seat of the jeep. Mrs Starkey sat in front. Mike Johnson started the engine. He pushed the gear lever forward and the jeep moved off across the farmyard. Mary ran after them. Norman! Your gas mask! Give it to Dennis! shouted Norman. Give it to the goat! Dennis replied. Everybody laughed. But behind that laughter, there was sadness. Norman looked back. Polly, Dennis, Mary and Amy were waving goodbye. Norman waved and he kept on waving until Wells Farm was out of sight. It had only been his home for a few weeks, but he'd remember it for the rest of his life.